0: Now that uh, Randall's set up, I will officially introduce him. I asked Randall to uh, tell us a little bit about himself, and uh, he sent me his curriculum vita, which is nice to have. I said, You know, let's talk a little bit about your background and your interests. So here's a quotation from he said, I'm a farm boy who grew up outside, Uh, but but out of sync with the other farmers because I like a lot of animals better than domesticated trees. He said, I read Gene George's My Side of the Mountain probably 50 times as a kid. Peregrine falcons and all those other birds of prey, scaly legs, scaly yellow feet, long black talons, they just look cool. (laughs) And what he wanted to talk about tonight is feathered dinosaurs, and he said, which is what this is really all about, late attempt to make kids think birds cool. Uh, Randall has a BS in biology uh, from the University Ph.D. in neuroscience, uh, he was awarded in 2001 from the University of Rochester, uh, he's currently assistant professor of biology at NCAT, is that where you want me to go? Right. Yeah. You know, I, um, I was uh, impressed that uh, he has taught courses at Excelsior College, North Carolina Governor's School, Guilford Tech, uh, Houston Community College, Emory uh, Weiner, or Weiner, Weiner, my Weiner, High school that's in Houston, is that right? Houston, Texas, and uh, Rice University. He has several publications in neuroscience. Uh, one of the cool things that he's doing with uh, his uh, and their teachers is Project Kaleidoscope, which I looked up because I was interested in that. And it turns out that uh, uh, it's uh, building and sustaining strong mathematics and uh, uh, engineering and technology uh, and, and science in. And, uh, we to, to develop strong undergraduate uh, programs for that, working with uh, teachers and kids, right? And uh, then the Teach Link Fellow, uh, Center for Inquiry Based Learning, I looked on that one up too, uh, which is part of the National Science Foundation grant awarded to, uh, to the University Center for Inquiry Based Learning. And he's among, uh, it says, uh, 43 Teacher Link Fellows, scientists, volunteers, who uh, have been recruited and selected to serve as mentors and resources for teachers as they begin to implement research-based inquiry-centered learning in the classroom. Pretty cool. So, Randall, we're really happy that you are uh, our speaker tonight, we will learn about the other does All right, so uh, first
1: thing, as Dennis pointed out, that I should reiterate is I am not a paleontologist. I'm a neuroscientist. The only digging I did was on the internet. (laughs) So this is very much a sort of pop culture talk about dinosaurs with a little bit of scientific detail placed in around the edges. Uh, Tonight uh, we're doing a live recording of my podcast, Variation, Selection, Inheritance. It's a weekly podcast about evolution, funded by the National Science Foundation. This is our 25th episode, so it's sort of a little celebration of actually having survived that. Uh, We're doing a live show, so feel free, whenever you're asking questions, uh, be nervous. (laughs) Uh, Flyers are at the back with free information on how to subscribe to the show, which you just do through one click on a website. And so, as part of that show, uh, I'm just going to start recording now, like I would if I were just doing the recording by later. Oh, so welcome to VSI, Variation, Selection, Inheritance, a podcast production of the of the National Science Foundation's Beacon Center for the Study of Evolution in Action. I'm Randall Hayes. I'm here tonight at the Kathleen Clay Edwards Library in Greensboro to talk about feathered dinosaurs. So, our basics. Here, the dinosaurs that you see in Jurassic Park are scaly, most of them, not the velociraptors from Jurassic Park, but most of them are slow and stupid. But, if you look at things like a bird's skin, you look at the feet of a chicken, you go to dim sum, uh, they're scaly, and they have talons on them, like a dinosaur. And people have known for a long time, that if you look at the bone structures, that birds and dinosaurs look a lot more alike than dinosaurs did with other reptiles like crocodiles or snakes or lizards. If you look at their bone structures, if you look at uh, the skin impressions, and it's come out that probably some dinosaurs were actually uh, fast moving, warm blooded, smart, relatively. Smartest of bird anyway, and social. Probably very good parents, actually. So you can get into the details of this with other scientists, other paleontologists, and you'll get into very, very detailed debates about exactly which group of ancient creatures birds came from. I don't care about that. I'm not a specialist. Uh, So you can get into very detailed arguments about exactly which ancient species birds sprang from. Uh, If you think of them all as just cousins, that exact debate starts to make less sense. So whether or not Tyrannosaurus rex was an ancestor of modern birds, I don't really care about. They look a lot alike. So they're kissing cousins, as far as I'm concerned. And I'll let the specialists worry about the exact relationships. But what you notice is that there are lots. You know, There weren't just a few feathered dinosaurs. There weren't just a few creatures that were like birds. There were a lot of them. There were multiple groups of these sort of dinosaurs. Probably even tyrannosaurs had feathers as chicks right when they came out of the egg and needed insulation, they probably were downy like chicks. Uh, the adults probably didn't have feathers. But again, uh, we'll look through sort of, this is just sort of an overview of how these things might have been related to each other. We'll look at that in a little bit more detail, but not anywhere near the detail that two scientists are doing with each other would. And the types of evidence that we're gonna look at are three, really three things. We're going to look at some fossils. Uh, we'll look at some embryos. And we'll look at uh, maybe just a bit of modern bird behavior and anatomy. The, the very first of these ancient bird like reptiles that was ever found, how many people have ever heard of Archaeopteryx. First one, super famous, right? Uh, Although the first thing found was actually not a full skeleton, it was just one feather. And then a couple years later, they started to find these actual specimens in Germany, which is where the first ones were found. There are now 11 of these things. And here are some line drawings of the skeletons in various positions, and here is probably the most famous one, the Berlin Archaeopteryx. And here's the actual uh, photo of the fossil itself. So, here's his legs, long tail, feathers coming off the long tail, wings, feather impressions, light detail coming off the wings, rib cage. Here's a head with a long snaky neck and teeth. Also, uh, Here, sort of at the joint of the elbow, you see some claws peeking off there. All things that birds don't have. And so that's been part of the debate, is exactly how do you get from something like this to a modern bird? Well, in fact, there are. People don't think of regular birds, regular songbirds like we would see in America, but birds are actually really, really diverse. There are lots of weird birds that you might see on David Attenborough's series, The Life of Birds, but you won't see them sort of in stock. So this is the South American from Guyana, actually, called the Hoatzin. I don't speak Guyana, so I don't know how to pronounce that exactly, that's how you spell it. And you can see right here, here's a claw sticking off. Here's one. And there's a great video on YouTube that I won't look up and show you right now, but after we get done, I'll actually show you the video of a hoots chick using those claws to climb around in trees before they can fly. Very cool, something like 18 seconds long, but totally worth it. This is what the adult looks like, much more like a modern bird, although it's got these it does have these modern, sort of flight-looking kind of feathers. It also has these very fuzzy, spiky, odd-looking feathers, and these spiky-looking things sticking up. Those are also feathers. There are lots of different kinds of feathers. The Hudson is also very, very weird in that it eats leaves. It's a herbivorous bird. It doesn't eat bugs small mammals. It eats a little bit of fruit, but like 80% of its diet is leaves, which it grinds up and digests in its gut like a cow, Uh, and probably leads to why it's called the stink bird. Because it probably farts a lot. (laughs) And these are apparently extremely common in Guyana. They're not hard to find at all. You'll see videos of these guys also up on YouTube but extremely unusual compared with other birds. You know, where did that, what about that claw, right? Where does that come from, where does it go? The adult doesn't have that claw. It turns out that all vertebrate, if you look at the embryo inside the bird egg, all vertebrate embryos have five fingers, just like we do. But the modern adult birds generally only have three, two of which are kind of fused together in the wing. So this is actually ostriches, And you can see, there's the thumb, there's the pinky. And this is the way embryos are built. You overproduce, and then the pieces that you don't need die off and go away while you're still an embryo. Humans have tails at one point in your embryological development. They go away in the vast majority of cases. So most birds lose those two bones, those two fingers, while they're still in the embryo. And that's been one of the major sort of arguments about whether or not birds did come from dinosaurs. It's because dinosaurs had hands with grasping thumbs. And it's like, oh, well where did those go? It's not that hard to remodel when you're an embryo, right? Those things can be lost and they can be even. So here is the hand of a theropod dinosaur. Thumb, pinky. Those two seem to be gone, uh, but you can gain fingers just as easily as you can lose them. Turn on a new, turn on a gene, boom! There's a new finger. This guy has six. He has an extra pinky. Here's a bird, which has five toes. It has grown a thumb. By these are, uh, I'll show you the, the whole bird in just a second. They're equally weird looking. So that extra. Hook there on the end is kind of a thumb, which most birds don't have. So, that bird is the silky. It's a a Southeast Asian chicken. They have five toes uh, and those furry feathers. They're not flight feathers, they're very soft. In fact, people use these birds as pets. They're soft, pettable. Calm and friendly for a chicken. I'm told they make lovely pets, uh, and they're very, very good mothers. They actually don't lay that many eggs, but they, these are used in chicken breeding industry as foster mothers. They actually adopt the chicks of other, of other hens. And you also notice, uh, as I, I put these slides up on the webpage, uh, and I'm sourcing most of where I got these things from. Scientists are sort of obsessed with that, so we can be checked. So how do you get those kind of feathers? This is another case of feathers have a structure that is predictable, and early stage feathers tend to look like more like hair almost, sort of a spike. Then you start to get feathers with multiple branches And then, like a fractal pattern, they start to branch again and then they branch again and get these little bars on them. And that's why you can take a feather and zip it apart into a bunch of individual little threads and then zip it back together again. You guys ever done that with a pigeon feather? So flight feathers are these fully developed structures like this where you've got these little hooks that hold this feather into a single sheet. But if you don't have those little hooks, if they go away, then these things are allowed to float free, and you get a fluffy feather, like the ones at the base of an owl feather, those fluffy things that float off. That's because they don't have the little hooks on them that are holding them together. We found all these feather stages in amber. We actually now have not just fossil bones, we have fossil feathers as well. And so some of the color patterns that I'm gonna show you on some of the later pictures are actually now not just guessed and made up, but known. Now you can see these different types of feathers. Here's ones that are a bit more fluffy. These look more like flight feathers, but all of them preserved in amber. Most of these are Canadian amber samples. Anybody wanna guess what feathers these birds what bird these feathers might belong to? Yeah? Um,
2: maybe a baby Archaeopteryx.
1: A baby Archaeopteryx? Wow, that would be a super cool fossil find. I don't think anybody's ever found a baby Archaeopteryx.
0: These are from a modern
1: bird. Uh, They're from a kiwi. Another weird, weird bird. Right, it's got these feathers, that look like hair. I mean, here you can see, here's the main shaft. Here's a couple of those little branches that come off but they're not holding together. They're feathery and fluffy, so they look like hair. Uh, This is a bird that is nocturnal. It's flightless. It lives in tunnels underground. And the reason it has its beak stuck into the dirt is because unlike most birds which have their nostrils up here, this one has its nostrils on the tip. So it sticks its beak into the ground and hunts by smell. It also has whiskers, like a rat, right? This is a bird that's almost, if you just look at the basic structures of it, you'd almost think it was a mammal. Birds are very, very flexible in their life habits. The first of those sort of feather, feather types, the most primitive feathers have been found in fossils mostly from China. Many of the birds I'm gonna be showing you tonight, bird, dinosaur, whatever. Uh, Many of them are from new fossil fields that have been opened up in China in the last 15 years or so. Here's, so this is also a Chinese word, so I can't say it right. uh B- paleosaurus, something like that. So here's the body, here's the neck, here's the head, see the teeth, feathers, those little lines, feathers, one branch. So would it looked something like this? And you can see a cross-section of the feather fiber. It's just a spike, a hollow spike, and there's the cross-section of what it would look like. Feathers are actually made of keratin, same material that your fingernails are made out of, same material that your hair is made out of, but arranged into a slightly different structure. There were lots of species of these guys that had feathers, but different types of feathers. This is Cynosauropteryx, Sino, again, China, here, uh, probably not closely related to birds, not a direct ancestor of birds, but again uh, feathered. They have found the fossils with the feather impressions. They've actually found uh, the color producing cells. So this banded pattern here is not a guess. That's now known. Uh, these feathers Again, very primitive, bristle-type feathers, not useful for flight, definitely. Probably not even that useful for insulation. So the very first color patterns may have been uh, for display. Uh, uh, Scaring off other males, attracting females. That may be the very oldest use of feathers. Uh, so, there's a great sequence on uh, a Discovery Channel show called Dinosaur Revolution. I read that. Did you watch that? Uh-huh. It was really good, wasn't it? Uh-huh. It was fun. And there's this great piece where there's uh, this thing they call a gigantoraptor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they actually show the main demands of this. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the clip a little bit later on. Uh, but what they did here, that's really crazy looking, but they actually stole that from another real bird, another Southeast Asian species called tragopan And that, this huge shield here, when I show you the real video, is directly, directly stolen from this guy. Where'd the shield go?
2: The shield is on the body.
1: Under his feathers?
2: Yeah, it's over the feathers.
1: Over the feathers. So where is it on this guy?
2: It is right on the belly.
1: On the belly? It's like under his feathers? That's a really good guess. We'll see if you're right. So slightly, maybe earlier than Archaeopteryx, a different branch. But again, there are lots of these feathered dinosaurs who cares? If it's the direct ancestor of birds, it's really cool on its own. It doesn't need to be one of our ancestors. This is another thing that happens in the the field of human evolution. They obsess over which of these fossil skeletons was our ancestor. Why isn't it a cool animal in its own right? Sinomythosaurus you can see has so fairly mature looking feathers on its wings as others on its legs, what's that about, but also teeth, long tail, and, coolest of all, venom. How do we know that? Well, it's got this face right there in its the skull, right where you would put a venom sack if you were building a snake. And there are grooves along the back of its teeth. Not hollow teeth, in the same way like a hypodermic needle, the way rattlesnakes are, but like the rear-fang snakes that you find in the tropics. There's just a groove that the venom flows down from the back of its tooth. So, now, we know that snakes have venom. And there are some lizards that have venom. But so now, if birds are more closely related to dinosaurs and we find a dinosaur that has venom, does that imply that we should be able to find a bird that has venom? Yes. It, it kind of does. And wouldn't that be awesome? A venomous bird. Yes.
2: I've actually seen a bird spitting yellow venom. Really? In a bowl. In a book, Um, about facts.
1: About facts. So I looked and looked and looked, and please don't please. So far, no venomous birds. There were. There is a poisonous bird, which Jack has told me multiple multiple times is not the same thing as venomous bird. There are poisonous birds. The pitahui from New Guinea, several species. Their feathers and their flesh are poisonous. Uh, But that's because they eat poisonous beetles and store the poison in their flesh. It doesn't hurt them. It turns out it is exactly the same toxin. This is another thing about evolution. Evolution is chemically very conservative. You find the same toxins developing multiple times. So these beetles use the same toxin in fact, dark frogs also eat insects. They don't produce their own toxin; they just store it. It's called batrachotoxin, and it works like lidocaine. Right. So, if you've ever had that at the dentist, you know what licking a dark frog would be like—only <laughs> more. Right. It would, if you've ever had a multiple doses of lidocaine because you had a really stubborn nerve that wouldn't go dead that tingling and that feeling of fatness in your lip, that's what this toxin does. So you don't have to eat a pit of wheat, <sighs> right? You already know sort of what it's like. Here's another one. Again, just how common these little guys were. About the size of a chicken, maybe a little smaller, uh, called Microraptor. He's, again, got those four wings. In China, he's very common in these rocks. They found like 300 specimens of this guy. Uh, Four wings, completely threw the paleontological community into an uproar. When they found four wings, what is that supposed to do? Uh, The colors on this one are made up. Uh, The blue and the red, that's that's an artist's saying, oh, wouldn't that look cool? They haven't actually found any evidence that that's that's the color scheme. But the the pattern of the feathers, the claws, again, up here, and the four wings and the long leather-like tail, that's all pretty well established. And there's a great episode of NOVA called the 4 winged Dinosaur, where by putting models of these things in a wind tunnel, they've pretty well shown that they could at least glide. So probably what they did was climb trees like a flying squirrel and scoot through the air. They probably couldn't really fly in the same way that a bird does, but they could at least climb trees and glide down and hit the bark of another tree and go back up again, which is still a pretty neat trick. So here's a Microraptor actual fossil. Here's the claw. Here's his wing. Here's the feathers coming off of it. Long neck, head, and long tail with big tufted feathers at the back. So what about Velociraptor? So when Steven Spielberg made this movie, a lot of this stuff had not been found yet, but it's pretty conclusive now. The same feather knobs, they call them quill knobs, on the wing bones that you would see on a turkey, little indentations along the forearm bones where the big flight feathers attach to the bone. Little pits all along the edge of a velociraptor's arm. So Not only did they have sort of insulation type feathers, they had, they had flight-type feathers, although, uh, if you look at the actual size, they were too big to fly. So, what were they using them for? Maybe display?
2: Maybe
1: they used it for, um, you know, like closing paths. Maybe they keep it warm. Yeah, insulation. Uh, here's Spielberg's scaling velociraptor. Here's probably more what they actually looked like running things with teeth like a cheetah tail that's thick and long that they could probably use as a rudder to steer while they were running super fast. And the wings may have been used in somewhat the same way for steering or maybe to generate some lift to get up in the air to use the giant killing claw, which you can see right there. The other sort of iconic pose of the velociraptor is them... Leaping into the air with that claw up like this to rip something's throat out. Yeah, Jack. Um, it's about feathers. Maybe they might use
2: them for or something.
1: Right. Yeah. You could get. A, you could certainly get some lift out of these things. Not enough to fly, but you could probably get a really good jump out of them. And again, here's. Grasping thumb, so wings, but also hands for grabbing things. So uh, that's one of the real advantages. I don't know if you've ever seen a dog and a monkey fight, but monkeys have big teeth. They can bite really hard, but they've also got thumbs. So you can grab something and position it for a bite, which... Dogs can't do. Even though he's not as big as me, I would not want to meet him out in the woods tonight. So like uh, the bones, uh, you can also change those big structures pretty easily when you're dealing with embryos. This is an actual uh, normal chicken. But this is a naturally occurring mutation. So inside the white box there, you can see some little bumps. All vertebrates start out with teeth. Birds lose them during their embryological development. Here's a a human embryo showing. This little dip on the end here, there's the head. Spine. There's the tail. That'll go away. Bird embryos also start out with a tail that they lose. How and why does that happen? Uh, It just turns out that that's a really efficient way to sculpt things. You don't start over. You build on a basic body plan and then sculpt away the bits that you don't need. So here's a bird lying down. Here's his ribs. Here's his Spinal column. And down. There's the hip bones. There's the tail. That's actually a crane embryo. So turns out there were lots of birds, even after they developed fully developed flight feathers, could fly. There were lots of them that still had teeth in their bills. Uh, this is Hesperornis probably the most famous and common one, a diving bird, fishing bird. Uh, not much a tail, but this shape like a cormorant, very designed for diving, small fish-catching kind of teeth in the bill. And you'll see something kind of similar in modern merganser ducks. Those are not teeth. They are little sharp projections on the bill, but they're not teeth. So what's the difference? What's a beak made out of? Uh, it turns out that the, the back part of the beak, this is a, a supposedly a barn owl skull, the back part of it is bone, but the front part of it is carrot, like your fingernails, which is much lighter than bone. Uh, it also grows faster, and it's it's not as strong as bone, but it's very strong for its weight. So the thought is that most birds don't have teeth because they're heavy. But that sort of imagines evolution as like a planned process. When we see, back in the past, there were lots of birds that did have teeth, and they were presumably quite functional flying creatures it may be just bad luck that when the big meteor came along and whacked all the dinosaurs, it happened to kill all the tooth birds too. And the ones that survived just happened to not have teeth. We don't know. So there's a guy named Jack Horner. He has a collaborator at uh, McGill University in Montreal. And they're basically trying to Recreate, right? If you take a chicken embryo and it still has all those ancient genes in it, right? There's a point in their embryological development where every bird has teeth, it has thumbs, it has tail. Why not just turn all those things back on and make yourself a dinosaur? So they're working on that. And, you know, what would it look like? Probably not quite like this. But it would have probably three-fingered hands with a thumb. Uh, it would have a tail, it might have teeth in its bill, And it would probably, also because the tail was long and heavy, it would, it would have to have uh, some changes in its leg bones that would shift the center of gravity backwards a little bit. but Because what they're doing is turning genes on and off in an embryo, they're not changing any genes. This thing will lay completely normal chicken eggs, which will grow up, if not messed with, to be completely normal chickens. Because they're not rewriting the DNA, they're just turning things on and off, artificially. So you would have sort of a unique one generation creature. It would not be like Jurassic Park, right? Remember at the end of Jurassic Park where they've created dinosaurs and they get loose and start to reproduce themselves? This would be a different sort of creature. That's what he's calling it. (laughs) It would, it is a chicken. It's not even a relative of a chicken. It would breed, if it bred and produced young, they would be chickens. But the point being that even a normal chicken still has dinosaur genes inside of it. They're just not turned on. Just like I have all the genes for a full coat of hair, right? I have hair up here, it just doesn't grow here. Those genes are turned off on most of my skin, or at least turned down. But they're still there. All I would have to do is to activate them, and I'd be a Sasquatch <laughs> or a Wookiee, a blonde Wookie, which would be something to see. What
2: about the videos?
1: Well, I'll, I'll get to the videos in a second. I wanted to give you guys a chance to. I want to give you guys a chance to talk for a couple minutes and sort of see what you all are thinking about, uh, and then uh, I'll shut off the recording that I'm doing. And we'll go back and reload those videos and take a look at those things. So, how much of this stuff have you guys heard before? None of it. Uh, the Some of it. A third. Maybe,
2: Maybe a third. Maybe a third.
1: Which, which pieces were
0: brand new to you? I didn't know there were more than one species that had four rings. I read about the original discovery.
1: Yeah, and there, they weren't even probably very closely related to each other. It may have been, depending on uh, these new fossil beds in China, are changing everything. There's they're so rich and there's so much stuff there that it may turn out that four wings was the normal. Other stuff you want to think, want to talk about a little bit. I well, mentioned the source really loves the <laughs> 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 The fact that they're
2: manipulating the genes to be able to do this to all just seems kind
1: But we've been doing that. The silky. Yeah. That was, that's not a natural chicken. We created that chicken. We just did it slowly. just like all the different species of dogs. Right, different. the Victorians took 40, 40 different basic body types of dogs and created 400 breeds of dogs in less than 100 years. And most of those dog species, there's another great episode of NOVA, many of those dog species have very specific inbred health problems. Like the bulldog is the worst, one of the worst. Like they can't even deliver their pups. If it's a real breeding bulldog that fits all the AKC definitions, their, their heads and shoulders are so big they, they're almost like humans. They have to actually deliver them by cesarean section. Yeah.
2: I wish there like you
1: know the chickenosaurus? That really I that really made me wish like there were there are, like things like that. And that's what Jack Horner's trying to do. He really wants he's, he when he was your age, and he's pretty old now, when he was your age, he just wanted a dinosaur for a pet.
2: <laughs> and he's been doctor.
1: working for that for like sixty years.
2: Maybe um, in some books they say, like, dinosaurs just turned into birds. Some desert just um, survived and turned into birds.
1: So, maybe you could have a dinosaur for a pet that would just be a bird. <laughs>
2: Alex,
1: can you imagine? Now I think about that. Could dinosaurs sing? Did they sing like a? We always picture them in the movies as being like. Bruh! But what if they could? What if they were more melodious than that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That changed the way you think about them. Uh, yeah, the whole dancing thing. I have to show you some of Well, are there any fossils
2: that show the um, the vocal structures of the dinosaurs have A syringe?
1: Cartilage does not fossilize well, um, but. Eventually, I mean, they've even found in some of the T-Rex bones, they've found collagen, right? So if we look long enough, we'll probably find it. But it's just a question of how long do you have to look because cartilage isn't... That's why we don't have fossil sharks, right? We find the teeth all the time because they're the only body parts. But we don't find fossil skeletons of sharks because they're made of cartilage.
0: Sometimes sort with of the hollow crest that made some theories about like uh, they made
1: some noise with that uh, hollow crest. Yeah, very t- sort of trumpeting kinds yeah, of noises yeah. like you would expect from an elephant maybe or something. Yeah. I know some dancers that have that hollow
2: crest. Yeah. The prasolopas, the carathosaurus, the lambiosaurus,
1: yeah, all all Hedrosaur family, right, really big family, famous family of dinosaurs, yeah. You guys want to see some videos? Yeah! It'll take me a couple minutes to pull them up, so don't leave. <laughs>